I want to start off by telling you guys a couple of stories from my own life. This is the bane of my surgical training. I knew my surgical training was all the next two or three months were going to be incredibly painful when this would happen. Yes, everybody, the blonde, blue-eyed medical student, right? So surgery used to be, maybe it still is, a male-predominated culture. And I would be the resident who's working my tail off, coming in at 5 o'clock in the morning, leaving at 8 o'clock at night, and here comes this pretty medical student. And all attention for the next month or two or three would leave me and go to this person. And, oh, this is how we do this operation. She doesn't care how we do this operation. She just wants to get a good mark and move on with her life. I need to learn how to do this operation. Why aren't you teaching me? Yada, yada, all these thoughts would go through my head, right? And I would feel like a victim. I'd feel angry. I feel resentment. Can you, can you recognize any of these feelings? I realized though that I want to like people regardless because usually these medical students were also given to me to teach as well. And I realized that whoever they are, however much trouble they cause to my life, I want to, to love them as well. And I want to do right by them. If I'm supposed to teach them, I want to teach them. And I want to do what I'm supposed to do. But it was hard. It was really hard. Oh, the TV's off? Oh, here we go. I'm also jealous of technology that works. <laughs> Since we're confessing, might as well just go, go all out. There we go. That's what you missed. This was the bane of my surgical training, right? This is just a random picture I found on, on Google Images. It's not actually a person that I know. Another story, I mean, if I try to remember the first time I ever felt jealous, I don't remember anything in sibling rivalry. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen, but I remember when I was eight years old, we moved to a new neighborhood and I made friends with this guy named Martin. We lived in, uh, you know, in, in, in Montreal, in the suburbs, in an, Anglo in an Anglophone, more Anglophone suburb, but nonetheless, he was French speaking and he made an effort to speak English with me and so on. And we quickly became best friends. But Martin is the one who taught me how to play video games. He taught me how to play hockey. He taught me pretty much everything that I learned about being a Canadian kid. And I owe him a lot, but I can tell you every time he taught me how to do something, it was really hard. It was really hard to accept that there was somebody who was that much better than me at something. And I resented him sometimes. And sometimes that we'd get angry or we'd fight like all kind of little boys must do. And those are my earliest memories of jealousy. But I, in that situation as well, I decided that I just wanted, I just wanted him as my friend. And if that meant that he was going to be better th at me at some things, then that was just going to have to be okay. And in all of these stories and multiple other stories that I can tell you about jealousy, you know, at least I never threw anybody down a well, right? So Joseph had, th you know, 10 brothers and his brothers were so jealous of the favor that the, their father showed him that they threw him down a well. And Joseph is going to come up later in this series. But this is to tell you that this, the Bible is rife with stories of jealousy. And it's really funny that most of them, more than half of them, are stories of, of sibling rivalry. Jealousy is, jealousy is when you love something 
more than you love someone. Jealousy is when you see somebody wearing those tight jeans and you can't wear those tight jeans or not nearly as well as she can. And that gets to you. And you love the, the thought of that more than you love that person. Jealousy is your friend's new car or new house or new this or new that. Jealousy is when you love something more than you love someone. Jealousy is when love and hate collide all in the same person. You end up hating someone and still not having the thing that made you hate them. So jealousy is such a painful, it's such a painful thing. And if we look at the, the you know, that like when a new medical student comes along that takes my, the, the surgeons I work for, their attention away from me, when I look at Martin, my best friend, or Joseph and his brothers, when they got jealous or when I got jealous, I still didn't end up having the thing I was jealous for. I just ended up being upset or resentful or even hateful of the person who has it. But envy is not all bad. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, it says, then I observed, the preacher says, then I observed the basic motive for success is the driving force of envy and jealousy. But this too is foolishness and chasing for the wind. The preacher in Ecclesiastes is saying that most of the great achievements and most of the great discoveries and most of the great progress that happens is people trying to do better than what other people have done. But that's not necessarily accompanied with that same resentment and hatred and all that other negative stuff that we started off talking about. So we're going to talk about in this series how God is able to change and transform our jealousy or our envy or our sometimes and through what process. And he's able to transform that into something good and bring good and bring good out of it. Athletes try to break the records of the people who came before them. Scientists try to discover new things that the scientists before them didn't discover. Trekkies try to go somewhere where no man has ever gone before. It's the drive for success. Dale Carnegie says, The strongest urge in a human being is the desire to feel important or admired. This is coming from the guy who's written the seminal work, How to Win Friends and Influence People and multiple other, multiple other books. So envy is not all bad, but we're, we're going to talk about how can we use it, how can, does God use it to drive us towards success? Hopefully, throughout these series, we'll find that we can honor God and honor others and come out first sometimes. Hopefully in this series, we'll see that God admires you, that God thinks you are so incredibly special that that admiration and that um that feeling special and feeling like you belong and feeling that we can get that from god just as much as we can get it from all of these other things or preferably people in john 5 44 jesus says how can you who believe how can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only god how can you say that you believe in God if you're still seeking honor from others and not seeking it from God? What Jesus is saying here is very simple, okay? If you could get recognized or awarded for your professional work 
by some local committee that has no standing whatsoever or by an international organization that is world-renowned throughout the world, which would you prefer? Now, suppose you qualify for both and both are willing to grant you qualification. Why are you running after the qualification from the nobody when the qualification from the everybody is, uh, is ready and available? God is glorious. He's magnificent. And he wishes to share that glory with us. I'll try one last time to get this to work. Sorry about that. It seems like I'll be the only one seeing, uh, see, seeing, seeing my slides. But uh, I'll, uh, I'll try to keep you uh, engaged nonetheless. That's what Jesus is saying here. How can you say you believe in God if you still seek honor from those from other than God himself? So what is jealousy? Let's just get a couple of working definitions and any of these would work. Fear of another person's success or threatened self-esteem or resentment towards the superior status or success of a rival or of a friend. Hostility towards a rival or one believed to enjoy an advantage. Fear of being supplanted. Look, there's only two kinds of people in this world. I shared this with those of you who are upstairs. Those who know they're jealous and those who deny it. Let's face it right? Let's face it. We're all touched by jealousy. We all look around us and something, something pokes us. We all look around us and something hurts us and something says, hmm, but if only, right? And is prompted by something that is outside of us that is with someone or someone else. So I leave the definition to you. But the more important thing than coming up with a definition, you know, and, and you know, we could go to Merriam-Webster's dictionary or whatever, but the more important than all of that is how does it make you feel? What, what does it feel like to be jealous? How can I recognize when I am being jealous or when I'm feeling jealous? Mostly, it just feels terrible. Mostly, it just feels like something that you love or someone that you love or you know you should or you should be in a healthy relationship with, you feel difficulty doing that. You feel difficulty being honest. You feel difficulty telling her you look great in those jeans because you don't want to say that because it hurts, right? It eats at you, anger, frustration. Um, you f sometimes, you know, one feels like they want to be swallowed up whole. They just want to disappear. It makes me unrecognizable. When I feel jealous, I walk away from that saying, what was that? Where did that come from? That's not me. I'm not like that usually. I usually care about people. And if, if there's somebody new on my team, my first thought is, what is this person good at? How can I make them shine? How can I make them be the best that they can be? Why do I resent this person? Why do I want to try to get rid of this person or make them go away or... When you recognize, when I recognize an odd feeling that doesn't belong, it seems out of place, ask yourself, let me ask myself, am I jealous? Jealousy makes us underperform at work, makes us stay away from our friends, isolate ourselves. Jealousy makes all of my poorest traits come out. God commands us very simply, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. 
Look, I want to tell you something. God's commandments are not things that he is obliging us or forcing us to do. They're not things that are there because this is what God thinks would make a good person. They're there as health warnings. They're there as be careful. They're there as this is what will make you the best that you can be. I am your maker, says the Lord. He knows, like he designed you. So he knows what's going to make you and me the very best that we can be. So he's telling us jealousy for the most part is not going to make you the best that you can be, especially not rejoicing when your enemy falls. In the Ten Commandments, the Tenth Commandment is you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his donkey, his house, his, his, and all these things, right? Now, God is not fussed about what it is that we covet. He's fussed about where our heart is. He's fussed about us having a heart which is so positive. It's growing from, from glory to glory. Love obliges. In 1 Corinthians 13, love obliges. Love does not envy. If I, truly, if I truly love somebody, there must be a way that I can love them without envy. F.B. Meyer was... Um, a, uh, you know, a Christian classical writer who changed the face of Christianity in both North America and in, um, in, in the Western English-speaking part of Europe, mostly England, but, you know, all of the UK and so on. And he had a friend named Morgan Campbell, who was also a very prolific writer, not quite as well-known for his speaking, but certainly a very, very well-known author in his time. Anyhow... Morgan Campbell was a pastor in America. And when he came back to England, F.B. Meyer confides in a friend. It was easy to pray for the success of Morgan Campbell when he was in America. But when he came to England and to a church near mine, it was something different. The old Adam in me was inclined to jealousy, but I got my heel upon his head, upon the head of the old Adam in me, that is, and whether I felt right toward my friend or not, I determined to act right. So F.B. Meyer is saying, I felt the jealousy rising up in me. And I knew that that's my old man and that's my old ways. And that's what God is transforming in me and making, making into his only begotten son in me. And so he's making reference to here about, about his heel when um, when God asked Adam and Eve to leave the Garden of Eden, he says to Eve, he says to Eve that the serpent will bite your 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 uh, your children, his heel, and and he will crush his head. Speaking about Christ, of course, right, and all of those who have followed him, right. And so. F. B. Meyer is claiming this promise and saying that that I will crush the old man and the jealousy that comes with him inside of me. And whether I feel right in my heart or not towards my friend, God will help me with that. But I determined to act right. So step number one, to get really practical and leave you with something, although we're going to get we're going to get a lot more practical as we go through the series. Today's just the introduction. But step one, just to get us going, 
is to confess out loud to ourselves. It doesn't have to be in front of a whole crowd, but just to inf- confess out loud to ourselves that I also do get jealous. I also do get jealous. And to think of specific instances and name them before God and ask for his forgiveness. And ask myself, how, does this, how did this situation make me feel? And suppose I, I, the same person, was in this same situation with the same other person in that situation, but I didn't feel jealous. What would I have done? And how would that have played out? Would I have been as reserved or would I have been as talkative? Maybe I put my foot in my mouth because I just kept talking because I didn't want to feel. Or maybe I just stood in a corner in the room and I didn't talk to anybody because of how I felt, etc., etc. What would be different if I wasn't jealous? How would I feel different? What would my experience, even if my behavior doesn't change, maybe your behavior changed, maybe it wouldn't change. But even if your behavior wouldn't change, how would your experience of the event change? for feeling jealous or for not. Own it. Don't blame the other person. First thing I always do in my head or out loud is blame the other person. It's not their fault they look better than me. It's not their fault they're more eloquent than me. It's not their fault, etc. Right? It's nobody's fault. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. Just what am I going to do about it? It's my current reality. It's not about placing fault. It's about accepting my, per- my present reality and asking God to do something great with it. The next thing is to repent. Once I own it, once I know it, once I recognize it, once I have it by the horns, I can put it before God and I can tell him, Lord, I need a repentance. I need a metanoia, a change of mind. I need to change the way I think. When the next time that I see somebody who plays video games better than I do, I need to enjoy playing video games with him, Lord. I need, I need help. I need help so that I don't just hate him and have a horrible afternoon for the rest of the day. Repent, put it before God, ask for help. And the third thing is determined to love the other person. Like F.B. Meyer was saying, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how I feel. A lot of the times, a lot of the, the, the diseases of the soul, their therapy is to replace the disease with another virtue, to replace the vice with a virtue. In the case of jealousy, the best thing I can do is behave the way I ought to behave even if my heart isn't there. Recognize it. Don't fake it. Do what you're supposed to do. I remember having a conversation with my spiritual father. I've shared this with many of you in spiritual guidance. And I don't know what it was I was doing now. I can't remember. But I felt like I was doing something good, but with the wrong intentions. So I went to my spiritual father and I told him, look, I'm doing this and this and this, which is good, but I'm doing it with the wrong intentions. So I think I'm just going to stop. And he was a very straightforward man and he looked at me and he said, well, that's kind of dumb, isn't it? (laughs) Said it in Arabic and it was a lot more poignant than than the word dumb, I'm toning it down, right? And uh, I, I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, if you're doing something good with the wrong intentions, wouldn't it make sense for you to fix your intentions rather than stop doing the thing which is good? And I realize that there are times in life where maybe we do need to just stop and press the reset button. But oftentimes we can fix 
our intentions as we go and we can carry on behaving and acting and doing in a good way not acting like a hypocrite but i mean you know doing doing right and hoping for our heart to catch up and this is one of those areas so just treat the person exactly the same way as if they weren't the thing that's causing your life to come to an end sometimes i tell you the truth i imagine that the person is somebody else sometimes i'll, I'll treat the person like they're my sister i used to do this in my previous workplace because it was very contentious and there was oftentimes a lot of like politics and a lot of fighting when i'd be in one of these meetings so there's a little trick for the for you in the corporate world i'd imagine everybody's behaving like an angry toddler so i would just imagine what they must have looked like when they were toddlers and that would put a huge smile on my face because really that's how they're behaving of course i didn't start speaking in a condescending way or anything like that but in my head it made the whole experience that much more tolerable sometimes if i'm having a lot of difficulty liking somebody i'll imagine that that person is my sister i'll say how would i treat my sister I'll imagine that person is one of my close friends. How would I treat this person? That's how I should treat the person that's in front of me. Even if I find it hard, even if I find it difficult, I know that that's the standard. I have a benchmark. I have a benchmark for how I treat people. So let me apply that benchmark and say, I will accept no less to treat this person than such and such. Even if I do, they don't reciprocate, even if, even if, even if. Albert Einstein says, I speak to everyone in the same way, whether he is the garbage man or the president of the university. Set a standard for yourself and don't allow jealousy to rob you of being the person you want to be. If you want to be nasty to everybody, you go right on ahead. But if you want to be a nice person and you want to be nice to people and you want to be courteous and you want to hold the door open for people and you want to be that person, then do it. And don't let anything stop you from doing it. Certainly not jealousy. If you're wondering what kind of things am I talking about, just smile. Everyone knows what a smile is. Everyone knows what to do with a smile. 95% of people, when you smile at them, they will smile back, even if they have no idea who you are. The other 5% will think you're trying to pick them up and they might not be so enthused. I don't know who said this quote, but lots of people that I really like tweet it and retweet it, and I just really like it. I think it's great. It says, people were created to be loved. Things were created to be used. The reason why the world is in chaos is because things are being loved and people are being used. God wants to turn every situation in our lives into something that is so incredibly beautiful. He wants to turn everything into our lives into something magical. I bet you a caterpillar never imagined that it could fly. I bet you, you and I never imagined that our jealousy could be the source of the kingdom of heaven between me and that other person in my life. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Let's stand and pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. The King of glory.
We're so grateful to you, Lord, that you take the things that we don't know what to do with, Lord, and make something fantastic out of them. Please, Lord, take us as we are. We come to you as we are. Jealousy, envy, resentment, anger, frustration, all included. Package deal, Lord. Take us, Lord, and put us through a transformation, Lord. Put us through your own six-week process, Lord, to make us everything that you want us to be. In your mighty name, we pray through the intercessions and prayers of all your saints, Archangel Michael and St. Moses, St. Catherine, all of our friends who are in heaven, hear us, Lord, as we pray to you, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is kingdom and the power. And now the love of God the Father, the grace of his only begotten Son, the gift and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace and may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.